Welcome to the award-winning Untold Podcast, capturing the culture's imagination through speculative fiction. I'm your host, Nathan James Norman. It's the first Tuesday of the month, so that means a new story for your ears. Today's story is by A.K. Preston. Preston moved from Illinois to South Dakota in April 2013, worked five years in the banking industry before deciding he would rather work with pigs than debit cards, and took a sew farm job in November 2018. A.K. Preston is the pen name for Preston Klopfenstein. By day, he's the resident midwife for a farm of 4,000 sews. By night, Also known as Very Early in the Morning, he writes riveting, mysterious tales of good and evil. His first book is The Gavadin Project, a sci-fi horror novel about environmental terrorists and genetically engineered tigers. He has also contributed two short stories to the Unseen Anthology by Two Tigers LLC. You can find him on his blog at Empyrean Voyager, as well as his website at akpreston.com. Sign up for his mailing list at either site to download The Gavadin Chronicles, a free anthology of prequel stories for the novel. Preston currently resides in Rock Rapids with his wife, three children, and 100 books he might actually write someday. You might remember A.K. Preston from back in episode 96, The Vision of Endor. Check the show notes for the direct links to his works and The Gavadin Project. Bringing us our story today is award-winning narrator Kristen L. Norman, expert mid-pandemic teacher and author of the book An Attempt at Writing, a short story compilation. You can find a link to her Facebook page in the show notes. So without further ado, The Untold Podcast proudly presents The Final Line by A.K. Preston. When the nightmare began, I was blind. My eyes are open now, and it's too late. Drone motors whine far above, the noise vibrating into my bones. I count three from the sound, maybe four. Even if I could risk line of sight, the sun's going down fast. I can only pray the pillar behind me masks my heat signature. The whine gets closer. I close my eyes, breathe. Force my heartbeat into regularity. The pistol feels slick in my hands. I need the rifle, but it's strapped across my back, and there's no chance to reach it. I was never born to be a soldier, let alone playing G.I. Jane this side of Doomsday. I wish you were with me, Alan. I wish... everything. One of them stopped, just behind the pillar. I hear the motor cycling as it hovers in place, a hummingbird from hell. I grip the pistol tight. I can take out one with a well-aimed shot but its friends carry immediate vengeance. Gunfire suddenly cracks in the distance. Partisans. My stalkers instantly break off their search pattern. I risk a look around the pillar. The drones are now black dots against the sky, one of them spewing tracer rounds. They've zeroed their target. My savior's already a dead man. I stay put and scan the area. The drones are a threat in themselves, but their presence means something else is close by. My weight is rewarded. Three rifled-armed figures emerge out of the shadows, black-clad eyes hidden beneath triclopian thermal goggles. Walkers. The army of the dead. Identities erased. Their bodies just more pieces of hardware for the sphere. I have the rifle now. 
I put the scope to my eye and sink down for cover. These monsters aren't the undead of legend. Their movements are fluid, graceful, almost feline. They hold their weapons ready, heads swiveling in all directions, intensely aware of their surroundings. The drones extend their vision even farther. What one sees, all see. One mind commanding a million eyes. One of them carries a backpack, the injector. It's an infinitely tempting shot, but he too has Avengers. I watch all three vanish into the dark, two executioners guarding a slaver. I'm alone, therefore safe. I lean back against the pillar and release the breath I've been holding. <sighs> Relief is dangerous, but I let myself feel it anyway. I'm still alive, Alan. If only you could hear me. The moment passes. I stand up and look beyond my hiding place once more. The sun is gone. Twilight now casts its bloody shadow on the world. I gaze across a forest of broken stone, shattered steel, black smoke rising from buildings that were in ruins long before catching fire. The remains of Santa Barbara. Even now I remember the age of red tile roofs, white stucco walls, Spanish mansions clothed in green. I was an idealist in those days, something I'll never be again. Clear. I drop to the ground and crawl through hard rubble, clutching the rifle as I push myself forward on elbows and knees. Just another two blocks to the pickup point. I hear more gunfire in the distance, several explosions. Maybe the resistance, more likely the sphere. At any rate, it means the drones are occupied. I reach the second building just as a deep rumble sounds overhead. pull myself inside, crouch into the nearest space and look up. The structure is little more than a bombed-out shell, and the sky is clearly visible through the ceiling. A triangular shadow spreads over the night, black on red. I stop breathing. Argus platforms almost never come this low. This one smells blood. I watch the craft as it passes over, engines humming like some sci-fi mothership from a distant star. It's suicide to follow, but I have to see. I pull out of my hole, stepping through debris, toward a partially standing staircase. Miraculously, the steps are solid. I jog up a single flight and make for an opening in the farther wall. Bombs have leveled the adjoining streets. I have a clear view of the platform's trajectory. Drones are already there, firing down on multiple targets in the rubble. I see nothing at first. Then several shapes pop out and run. Suicide. These aren't resistance regulars. They're armed refugees, crossing the lines unguided. Some actually fire back at the drones, instantly skewered with tracer rounds. Somehow, at least a dozen survivors reach a building. I glimpse a woman clutching a child. They should all be dead. But the drones have broken off their fire. That means there's worse to come. The Argus floats directly over the building. My stomach drops. I know every hole and tunnel in Santa Barbara. That structure has none. Get out, get out, you nitwits! The drones disperse. Their task is done. I drop. Cover my eyes. A flash burns my lids. There's a whoosh. And heat washes over me. I keep my eyes closed for several seconds, then blink rapidly. Some dots linger as I peer through the opening. The building is gone. An inferno in its place. Yards away, a man bolts from cover his body in flames. A drone cuts short his suffering. I watch the triangular craft as it rises to rejoin its brethren above the clouds. The drones at least kill with bullets. 
Argus platforms use pulsed energy projectiles, literally burning through their targets in bursts of light. I've seen the Death Angel and lived. That means my luck allotment for the day is just about gone. How did this happen, Alan? How did it ever come to this? I head down the stairs, resume my leopard crawl through no man's land. I reach the pickup point with an additional set of bruises, two cuts and a thickened layer of sweat, but no more brushes with the afterlife. It's a crumbled shop building right above an old sewer tunnel. I stop short, check the sky, train my rifle and click out a Morse message on my flashlight. Seconds pass and I'm still waiting. Someone might be here. The radio signal is already an hour old, likely inaccurate, but it's as much contact as I'll ever have with the resistance. If they knew my real name, they'd kill me on the spot. This hell that is the world leaves no time for Nuremberg's. A shadow stirs within. The responding message clanks out several times on rusted metal. I relax my aim and crawl toward the opening. A figure comes forward to meet me. I shine in the flashlight. Suddenly it's Alan's face. He's 25 again, standing at the altar, radiant like an angel in his dress blues and captain's bars. Myself at 24, flush with my bridal gown and two degrees from Caltech. So begins a doomed marriage to die. The face blinks several times and stares at me. You the extractor? I push the past away. How many? Four. Me, Gracie, and the kids. We came from Las Cruces. My abdomen churns. More refugees. The man's somewhere in his mid-thirties. Dirty, blonde, unshaven. Dressed in a torn jacket and carrying a hunting rifle he's only just lowered. I shine the light deeper inside. A woman crouches against the tunnel, arms around two children. The boy looks eleven. The girl can't be older than six. In a sane world, no one would send them here. But there's nowhere else to go. I hold the light so they can all see my face. Stay close to me. Make sure only to move if I move. Go where I go. Don't even breathe unless you see me doing it. And you? I turn back to the father, shine my light directly on the hunting rifle. No heroics. Stay low. Stay quiet. You can start playing soldier again once you're behind the resistance lines. His jaw tightens. We've survived this long. Not here you haven't. Santa Barbara's a saturation zone. If anything spots us, we're dead. Period. I stare directly into his eyes. He holds it longer than I'd like, but finally turns away. I may be a woman, but I'm at least ten years his senior with the scars to prove it. He motions to his family. Come on. The next two hours are even longer with four people following me. No more Argus platforms, but we have at least three close calls with drones. My luck allotment isn't quite dry after all. The father is in an obedient mood and never fires a shot. I watch the latest drone pass over and click on my flashlight. There's fresh rubble since the last time, but I still recognize the landmarks. We're halfway to the checkpoint. I shine the beam ahead, just clear enough for a ten-yard crawl. Something at the edge. I look closer and see the bones of a human hand. Most bodies I find out here are long reduced to ash. My beam glints off gold. A wedding band. Two memories at once. I hear the minister's voice at the altar. Until death do you part. It's over, Alan. I slide the ring off my finger. It clatters on the table. Alan stares at it blankly. Looks back to me. Cretan. Throwback. Who is it, Monica? I feel the sneer on my lips. As if you could even comprehend. The ring still glitters from the skeleton's finger, untarnished by some miracle I cannot fathom, and I don't believe in miracles. 
I click off the flashlight and crawl down the path, my followers close behind. I don't push away regret. All my other friends are dead. Finally, we reach the checkpoint. I stop everyone with a hand signal, then crawl ahead on my own, sprinting across a small stretch of open ground before ducking back to cover beneath a literal wall of rubble. Clear. I pull away several pieces of loose debris, then yank up the trap door. It reveals an underground passage stretching over a mile. The exit is in resistance territory. It took me more than a year to dig, and the man who helped me is long dead. The sphere will find it eventually, but for now, it's salvation. I look back, raise my arm, freeze. Three unmistakable shadows come into the clearing. Green lenses aglow as they sweep the area. I drop to my belly. They haven't seen me. I dare glance to my charges, still where I left them. The mother and children hug the ground several yards back, faces down, unmoving. The father is closer to me, eyes up, rifle out. The walkers are just a few yards away. One of them halts, the injector. He holds his weapon aloft with one hand, head swiveling in place on his shoulders. He still hasn't seen us. I crouch even lower, dare another glance across. The father hasn't moved, but there's something in his eyes. They're locked on the injector, ignoring the other two walkers on the move. I've seen that look before. Felt it a thousand times. Don't. His gun is moving, rising. His head lowers, lines itself with the sight. Don't. Too late. A bullet cracks the air. The injector goes down, spilling brains. His comrades spin around, lock on, open fire. I catch the first one in the neck. Too late. Father's dead. The mother screams, dashes toward him. Cut down instantly. Her killer ducks my other shot. I drop, spray his legs. He falls and I finish him. Mom! The girl runs. I dash across, grab her before she reaches the bodies. Drones already whine in the distance. Her brother stands frozen. I shove her into his arms. The tunnel. Go! He's lucid enough to obey. He makes for the hole, pulls his sister inside, slams the trapdoor after them. The girl's sobs fade into the underground. The wine gets closer. I dive behind the closest piece of rubble, prop up the gun barrel, scope to my eye. No hiding this time. Some adults they take alive. Children have to die. First drone's in sight. I fire. A hit. The drone spins out of the air, bursts into flame. Two more replace it. I take out one, then the other. Three more. These ones dodge my shots, holding fire. Why? Then it hits me. They've seen my face. I dash out of my hiding place, kicking up dirt as I run across open ground, away from the checkpoint, the children. All of them follow. None of them fire. None of them will. Not to kill me. I know their purpose now. You want me? Come get me. I weave my path from side to side. The drones have only a fixed angle of fire. They can still take a killing shot, but not a disabling one. I'm racing an algorithm. I can't do it forever. Cover ahead. A burst of speed and I dive behind a crumbled wall. I jump back up and fire over the edge, full auto. Several go down instantly. I empty my clip after the other. No good. It falls back, circles around. Pain explodes in my back. I fall forward, the gun clattering to the ground beside me. My lower side's on fire, bleeding, can barely move my head. I see the drone through a darkening haze. Two more join it. Five, six, twelve. 
circling me in slow, continuous motions, wolves surrounding a kill. But they've come for a prisoner. I brace my teeth, twist, yank out my pistol. A boot slams my wrist. I look up into green triclopian lenses. The walker removes his goggles. Empty and human eyes stare down at me, pupils dilating and contracting with the pulse of data through the brain. For a brief second, they freeze in place. He's fielded a query. The sphere has answered. He raises his weapon, brings it down. Blinding pain. Then nothing. My senses return in fragments. Light stings my eyelids, dank metal in my nostrils. My head is throbbing, but there's only a dull ache in my side and leg. I shift against bandages. I can't move my arms. I squeeze my eyes and then open them. I'm bound to a chair in a room with gray stone walls. Three walkers sit at a table before me. Their goggles are gone, naked eyes staring into my soul. None of them can be more than 25. The one in the middle has blonde, crew-cut features. I see Alan's face again, and I pray that he's dead. All three of them suddenly tense, close their eyes, and open them slowly. Monica, darling, you have an age today. The voice issues from three different tongues. Each visage now holds the same expression. Magnetism, self-assurance, boundless confidence. I remember them on a different face. Lean, dark, and Mediterranean. There they tempted me, won me, stole me from my husband. Now they're repellent. What do you want, Richard? What What do I I want? Their eyebrows raise. Come Come now, Monica. We We know each other far too well well for that. Six eyes move over my face, probing, waiting. I return the stare. I've read up on sociopaths. It's not enough to kill me, or even absorb me. Not until I accept his lies. I I suppose suppose I owe you some some congratulations. He, they, it, says finally. We're still trying to isolate that corrupted code we left behind, and in the meantime, our satellite network is permanently crippled. Your resistance friends took care of the cell towers. So your precious toy can't take over the world at once? My heart bleeds for you. The eyebrows raise again, just on the left this time. Sarcasm, Monica. You were never a facetious woman. Times change, Richard. I've changed. You never have. Because I still believe in our dream? The bodies lean forward, their voices taking on a new intensity. Full community, full consensus, full equality. We've made it real. You look more equal than the others from here. You mock them now, but they were your ideals once. Bile rises in my throat. Do those ideals include murdering children? The sphere has given us unity. The next step is immortality. Once that occurs, children are superfluous. The words flow with memorized cadence. Three voices sigh. (sighs) This is pointless, Monica. Your sabotage has only prolonged an unnecessary war. We both know its outcome. There was a time I shared everything with this man. His goals, his passion, his bed. If I've saved just one innocent life from you, it's worth it. The children again. Always the children. The heads stare at me and move slowly, side to side. 
You still can't let him go, can you? I stay silent this time. Let him have his game. What was it Alan told you again? To have and to hold? Stop it. To love and to cherish, for richer or poorer, so many promises. They chuckle. And the man couldn't even give you a child. As if you ever did. The seer is our child, Monica. The avatars lean forward, fervid now, feverish. The one in the middle actually rises, walks toward me around the table, motions identical to the man I first saw walking the TED stage in Silicon Valley, Richard Costa. Genius. Visionary. Advisor to presidents. Architect of apocalypse. We conceived it together. Built it together. Gave it life together. That first glance. That first whisper. The first of a hundred lies. As many portrayals. The final shattered vows. All for this man. All for his dream. My dream then. My nightmare now. Alan. The walker stops and leans down. His face is mere inches from my own. I feel his breath, smells sweat. The future can still be ours. His lips descend, close over mine. Together. Something slides into my mouth. I bite down, hard. He chokes out a scream, pulls back, strikes me. I hold fast. There's a tearing sound and he frees himself, gurgling on blood. I spit his tongue on the floor. The walker shudders and stands frozen. Another jerks up from the table, grabs my throat, expression twisted in rage. You syphilitical skank. The words fly asp-like from his teeth. All you ever were was a pleasure with brains. You were nothing. You are nothing. Without me, you will always be nothing. For the briefest moment, his mask is gone, and I finally glimpse the true evil that lives inside Richard Costa. He realizes his slip. Just as quickly, the mask returns. His hand releases me. He steps back, glowering at me through eyes not his own. Prepare yourself, Monica. Our minds are about to come ever so close. The last walker rises. He's removed his pack. He places it on the table, opening the lid to reveal a cooler of dry ice. I watch him remove a tiny vial of amber fluid, loading it into a pistol-shaped delivery mechanism. It's my own design, conceived in a Caltech thesis, given birth in a laboratory at Elysium Dynamics. The injector steps around the table. I don't resist as he inserts the mechanism into each nostril and sprays. The aerosol carries its nanites up my nasal passage, past the blood-brain barrier. It's only an illusion, but I feel them crawling in my skull, spinning their silicon web through my neurons. Richard watches me through the eyes of my brother's slaves, alight with the puppet master's triumph. I've waited... 20 years for this. All at once, the walkers scream out loud, crumpled to the floor, bodies convulsing. The web has engaged. Right on top of the inactive nanites self-administered the day I left Elysium. My worm unleashes its poison through the grid. I see fragments, visions. A thousand lights go dead on infinite screens. An Argus erupts in flames. A million voices scream. Deliverance has come. Somewhere, Richard Costa's body collapses in a permanent coma, taking the regional network with it. The sphere lives on, but its master is dead. Drones drop from the sky. Walkers reverting to auto-function. Easy targets now for the resistance. I've bought them Santa Barbara and a war they just might win. Wherever you are, Alan, 
forgive me. Two milliseconds of eternity later, my brain goes dead, and I cross the final line. that was our story. I hope you liked it. I'm always moved by stories about self-sacrifice. This one is a little different from the standard form. Self-sacrifice for sure, but only once all other options had run out. Certainly a complex story for a complex time. Before we go, remember that Untold Podcast is now a part of the Culture Box. Whether you enjoy geeky reviews, comedy, or original fiction, you can open up the Culture Box and find something excellent for your soul. In a world where live-action movies reign supreme, two awesome dudes are keeping things animated. If you want to hear a couple of animation nerds gush about the movies they love, then hop, run, or fly on over to The Cellcast. Available on most podcast platforms. You can find this and so much more over at www.culturebox.media. Please remember to like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter, blog about us, leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you find us. Support us on Patreon and tell your friends. Remember, Patreon supporters at the $5 or higher level now have access to the digital files for Untold, a novel. This was a novel I wrote 20 years ago and is now updated and expanded. The only way to get your hands on it right now is by becoming a supporter of the show at the $5 level or higher. Head over to www.patreon.com slash untoldpodcast. The Untold Podcast has been funded by Jason Brannan, J.D. Rempel, Richard Zong, Jen Finelli, Fred Heimbaugh, Parker J. Cole, Laura Van Arendonk-Bah, Mike and Andra Williams, Spirit Blade Productions, The Retro Rewind Podcast, Rudy Diaz, Jackie Jeline, Amanda St. John, GS Muse, and Nathan and Casey Butler. Leading us out this time is the Friendly Savages with Her Lock on a Chain. Until next time, I'm Nathan James Norman reminding you, no heroics, stay low, stay quiet. And my powder, my old woolen trousers, some bread for the road. The call of the bugle, another refusal to wait for the snow. She knows that I'll grow slowly as a raindrop down a window pane. She knows that I'll hold the locket on a chain to keep the evil things away. Dismiss me or keep me, just let me go home She'll be burning a candle under the mantle when the evenings get cold She knows that I'll grow slowly as a raindrop down a window pane She knows that I'll hold the locket on a chain to keep
hold on? Will you hold on to me? And if I die, will you hold on? Will you hold on to me?